0: think about that you've done a lot of stuff
1: it's crazy how you can like forget all that too or forget a lot of it
0: you've been pretty transparent about your feelings anxiety depression
1: Carson Daly did a video randomly on the today show speaking about how he feels when he had a panic attack and he explained it to the T
0: so what was your inspiration to write all about that bass Well, this is Dr. Phil, so you found Phil in the blanks. And my special guest today is none other than Megan Trainer. Hi. Listen, let me tell you a little about her before we start talking to her. She first made history with her diamond-certified smash single, All About That Bass. And the award-winning singer-songwriter has garnered a Grammy Award and achieved eight multi-platinum singles and two platinum albums, sold out three world tours, Pinned multi platinum hits for peers across pop and country and received countless industry awards and nominations. Expanding her influence on pop culture, she starred on Fox's hit series The Four, Battle for Stardom, and is currently on the superstar coaching panel of ITV's The Voice UK alongside Sir Tom Jones, Will I Am, and Ollie Moore's. She kicked off 2020 with the release of her third full-length album, Treat Myself. And let me tell you, I've listened to it top to bottom, and it's not good. It is great. It includes the platinum smash No Excuses, as well as blockbuster anthems and collaborations such as Nice to Meet Ya featuring Nicki Minaj, Genetics featuring Pussycat Dolls, After You featuring AJ Mitchell. And Wave, featuring Mike Sabbath. She will perform new music and classics on the road in arenas and amphitheaters everywhere throughout 2020 with Maroon 5. So, listen, you just want to go ahead and treat yourself by listening <laughs> to what we're talking about. You're here. Let's do it. Megan, how are you? Hi. How's that for an intro?
1: That was incredible. That was my dreams. Wow. Yeah. I mean, if if you're all listening out there and you don't know, I'm the biggest Dr. Phil fan. In the world, so this is um, this was like my birthday dreams and a bucket list for me. Just to get to talk to you for an hour is pretty sick. Hearing you say all those words, like my heart just stopped for a minute, and now it's back. (laughs) Listen,
0: think about that. You've done a lot of stuff.
1: It's crazy how you can like forget all that too, or forget a lot of it, and like, I mean, here, this is like. It's crazy because like you're my favorite person ever and they're like, what would you ask Dr. Phil when you get to talk to him? And I'm like, the only thing I could think of is like, hey, how do I be not so critical of myself? <laughs> <laughs> like how, like when you read all that stuff, I just like forget it all. And I go back to like, no, you're not good enough, be better and work on yourself every single day.
0: You know, Oprah and I were watching something one day. It was a, like <laughs> ET or something on red carpet Yes. And we were just sitting in the office watching it, and somebody like really glamorous was going by. And she said, you know, I never feel like they look. Wow. And we talked about that a little. Are you that way? When you look at people and they're all glammed up and they're yeah. having a great time, do you think, I don't feel the way they look?
1: I feel that way when I'm all glammed up and gorgeous. Like I'll look at a picture of a red carpet and I'll be like, wow, we look amazing. I was so miserable, like I know (laughs) what that felt like. So yeah, I've never, I don't know. Are you
0: critical? Are you critical of yourself?
1: Yeah, not only with like looks though, it's like with my career and with my music and with um, my relationships or everything except my marriage and my relationship with my family, because those are (laughs) amazing.
0: Does it get in your way?
1: I think so. It's like unnecessary stress that I put on myself.
0: How does it show? I mean, what does it do that gets in your way?
1: Like I'll have an amazing day and um, I'll come home and and I'll just think of like, oh, I should have done that better. Or I I don't know, I'm lame. and or, or I'll compare myself. That's my worst thing I do. I'll compare myself to other artists and be like, why don't I have – what they have, or why is my career not at that level yet? And I know, and I just go over and over, and, and my I husband— I should print this
0: out, and you have it tattooed on your forearm, yes. and every time you think that, you go look at this and say, yeah, I am there.
1: I know. I just, like, I don't—it's I, not—I don't know. I guess your your accomplishments aren't, like, written out in your face every day. And you just, like, on to the next.
0: I'm going to give you some test questions Take here. Right. These are actually right or wrong answers to some of these. Oh, And some of them are just, tell me some things about you. When you're critical of yourself, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? What do you criticize the most?
1: My talent level.
0: Talent level.
1: I guess um, my voice.
0: Wow. That's pretty hard to wrap your head around. Okay. Now, if you compare yourself to somebody else, Do you compare your talent level? Do you say, I don't sound that good, I don't write that well, I don't present that well, I don't perform that well?
1: Yeah, my writing, I'm pretty confident in that. Like, me in the studio is 100% love it. But, um, like, my performance or how, like, how good I look on stage next to someone else. And I've even been told, like, well, she looks like a model, so with you, we're going to have to do more work. We're going to make you move around and dance more and put more effort into it. And it crushes me, you know? What do you say? I just bite my tongue and I'm like, yep, uh, okay. Whatever we have to do to get this done.
0: What do you do when somebody compliments you straight up? When they say, you are fabulous?
1: I wrote a song about it. Um, <laughs> I My first thought is like, I feel like what everyone is raised on is this weird thing of when they get a compliment, we're like, ugh. We're like, no, stop, stop. And I, one of my songs working on it on the album is talking about how it's so bizarre that that's our first natural reaction and how it should be. Thank you. Thanks, I agree. That's so nice of you, you know? Do
0: you think you don't do that because you don't claim it or you think you don't do it because you think it's arrogant and you've been taught not to?
1: It's like, I, I don't know. It's Isn't that like a thing? We've all been kind of, I don't know. It's like a a thing in society that we all do? I don't know, you know? It's, it's uncomfortable getting a compliment. But I don't want it to be. I want to believe it and be like, yeah.
0: Yeah, but you have to behave your way to success. Behave I mean, your
1: way to success.
0: Yeah. The difference between winners and losers is winners do things losers don't want to do. Yes. Winners have to build their confidence up, and you have to be willing to accept a compliment. Just like you say in the song, if somebody says, Hey, man, you look great today. Thanks for noticing. And actually own it. But you got to be your own best friend to do that. If somebody yeah. said that to your best friend, what would you tell them to say to themselves?
1: Yeah, I would, I would stop them and be like, you're gorgeous, which is what I do to my best friend. Yeah, and if
0: they said, oh, no, I'm not. I look like shit today. I don't." I don't
1: my mom does that.
0: And you'd say, no, just stop. Don't say that to yeah. yourself. So you got to be your own best friend, right? Yes. Okay, next question. Okay. I'm taking notes over here. <clears throat> if something goes really well, do you say, that was easy? Like, if you took a test, for example, and you got a great grade, <laughs> did you tend to say, oh, man, that oh. was easy, thank God? Or do you say, I crushed it? I crushed it. Because I prepared well and studied well. Yeah. All right. Do you get colds?
1: Cold, like sick? Yeah. Yeah. Why? My sinuses.
0: Yeah, but why you get sick?
1: Allergies. Um, I have a bad immune system since I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to get sick a lot. I used to get bronchitis like all the time. I had asthma. Mm-hmm. And um, nowadays, I just I get a cold if I'm run down, if I'm working too much, or if I don't get enough sleep. Mm-hmm. Sleep is a key to life. Mm-hmm. I okay. drink a lot of water, and I try to eat healthy and work out but like if i don't have sleep i'm out
0: yeah you won a grammy i did why
1: it's crazy because i like always wanted to be the artist singing my songs and i won it for best new artist and i was nominated the years before for like best song and best record and i was like yeah i'm a songwriter this makes sense and i didn't win and i was like I guess if I was going to win any award, it was going to be that one. And then the next year I got nominated for best new artist and I won that. And I was like, oh my God, the world accepts me as an artist. This is my dreams coming true. I'm going to start accepting me as an artist.
0: Did that validate you? Yes. Did you need that? Yes. <laughs> okay. Why am I asking you these questions?
1: Uh, Cause you just want to get to know me better because we're best friends. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I don't know. You're examining me and you have the answers to the test.
0: No, your people have internal locus of control or external locus of control. And internal locus of control is when they attribute to themselves the consequences in their life, good or bad. If things go bad, they say, eh, screwed that up. If things go well, they say, I did that. I'm smart. I'm talented. I'm this or that. And people with external locus of control don't take responsibility. If things go bad, they say, man, they didn't treat me right. I didn't get a fair shake. I didn't get a good break. The test was too hard. I got sick. Man, when your number's up, your card gets punched. What are you going to do? They always push it out to something else. You seem to have an internal locus of control. You own what happens. You agree? That's a good thing, right? Well, yeah. It's just a thing.
1: It's a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, uh, I was 19 when this all happened. And um, without realizing it, I was all of a sudden in, in charge, like the CEO of a company, like a million dollar company. And I was like, uh-oh. And everything down to artwork, down to what the title is going to be, how the font looks, how like every single thing is up to me. So if it isn't a success, yeah, it's my fault. I go right to, like, how did I mess this up, and how are other people doing it and achieving what I want, or, like, what am I doing wrong?
0: So why do you deserve all this success?
1: Because I worked really hard,
0: Yeah, and I have talent. Do you believe that? Yes. Yeah. And so you would then predict that it's going to continue.
1: I know I'll write songs till I'm 100.
0: Yeah. So you have talent. Talent doesn't come and go. Yes. You either have talent or you don't. You do. So you should predict, right, that you'll continue to have success because you're talent. Yes. So you think this is a lifelong thing for you? You'll write till you're 100? Yeah. Yeah. Why is that easy for you?
1: I don't Everybody know. Everybody
0: I know in the business, I know a lot of people in the music business, they all say you are a killer songwriter. I've never heard anybody that doesn't say you're a killer songwriter. Really? I was talking to Nick and Joe Jonas the other day. They said, you are a killer songwriter.
1: That's crazy, because I still get asked. Like, people will come up to me and be like, whoa, you wrote this song? And I'm like, oh. (laughs) But the industry, my people in the industry, they know. And it's so nice to hear that. That's so awesome. Yeah, I I just have that. uh, People, like, when they tell me, I don't know, when they talk to me about it, they're like, you have... You're born with it. You have that talent. You got that it that a lot of people aren't born with and have to learn how to do it. Right. I was like a freak. I was like seven years old writing these big love songs. <laughs> and like, really? I, yeah, they were like, are you heartbroken? And I was like, no, I just.
0: Whether it's poetry or songs, I always hear people say that you write from pain and like comedians that comedy comes from pain. Is that true with you or do you just write from Wherever inspires you at a given time
1: Uh, My dad taught me that there's too many slow songs In the world so um, What I like to do nowadays to make it interesting Too is I'll write an upbeat song And I like to flip it so you think It's going to be this happy dance song and then I'll Mm -hmm. Write a sad love song on top of it Or I'll I'll do um, Like a sad Ballad but write something inspirational And like uplifting Um, But But I don't write my songs from pain, pain, pain. Mm -hmm. I like to take fun concepts too and be like, look how awesome everything is, you know?
0: (laughs) Listen, a lot of people listen to this podcast. I mean, like a lot of people. And there'll be a lot of aspiring artists that will listen to this that really try to break the code and figure out. Because, I mean, what is it? We looked it up, Freedom, not long ago. 20,000 songs a day come out. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's... Some god awful number, right? Oh, yeah. 20,000 a day. Is that the number?
1: Yeah, it's like 30,000 or 20,000. Yeah, something it's like crazy. thousands of songs yeah. a
0: day, every day. Yeah. And rising above that noise, it's like winning the lottery. It's like, oh, yeah. Chances are zero. Mm-hmm. But you do it. And people want to know how, why? One thing resonates and something else doesn't. And what is it that you think sets yours apart from everybody else's?
1: I mean, the fact that I'm still here, kind of, is like...
0: (laughs) Yeah, because you're not a one-hit wonder. Some people get hit on something. Yeah, that was great. And then they go back to working at the factory.
1: Yeah. Uh, I think it's the songwriting and the fact that I can keep doing that forever. But it's also like, with that first song, I think I hit a lot of people in the heart with that song all about that bass. And I captured a group of fans and I never had fans. And I, I've never been like the biggest fangirl of one person. Um, but I've I've found, I met all these kind people all all ages. It's crazy on Instagram and all over the world. And they have followed me ever since. And they've been supporting me and kind of just keeping me going. And I think that's the one reason why if my song does better than any other song out, out of the 30,000 is because of those fans like pushing and streaming my music for me. Mm-hmm.
0: So what was your inspiration to write all about that bass?
1: It was like, uh, cause when I'm, I'm a songwriter, I'm not the artist, you don't know if it's gonna ever be heard. So we wrote it, I met this, it was like a, a lot of sessions, you meet a stranger and he was like, uh, it was a husband. It was like, it was a dude and he was, and we were just trying to, it's like a blind date. It's really yeah. awkward. And you're going to write magic together in a three minute song. So I was like, nice to meet you. His name is Kevin Caters. He's was really nice. And we related on, it was like, where are you from? What do you do? And we related on being like chubby kids. We were like always overweight and always struggled with that. And then he had a title, all bass, no treble. And I told him the lingo nowadays, I always say, yo, I'm all about that. Like, yo, I'm down to do that. I'm all about that. Let's go out. And so I we switched it up to say all about that bass, no treble. And I thought of all about that that booty, and I, I'm i kind of flat up here. So I said, all about the booty, no treble. Because, you know, bass is heavy. Treble's on top. So that's how I related it. And like for still, they're like, what is bass and what is treble? That was just like my way of thinking about it. Also, like, I'm all about thickness and not I'm not the skinny girl, you know, so that we, we wrote the song, and we were like laughing the whole time. And our first thought was, well, nobody will cut this. So no one will hear it. And I was the singer in the room. So I was like, I guess I'll cut it. Yeah, sure. I'll sing it, whatever. And then I had that song for like nine months. And people were like, we like it, but there's no one who could cut this. There's no artist who could sing this song. And I was like, I get it, it's fine. I have way more other songs that are great, we'll work with these. And then L.A. Reed at Epic Records got a hold of it and said, well, whoever wrote this song, go find her. And then they found me. (laughs) And then I auditioned in his office on a ukulele because I didn't sing to tracks. I was like, I'm on a writing trip, I have my ukulele, I could figure it out. And I recorded a voice memo and sent it to my parents at like midnight. And they said, it's great, just make sure you smile. (laughs) <laughs> and it was like the most terrifying experience in my life and I got a record deal
0: so you sang it with your ukulele just yep. in the office
1: mm-hmm. and and everyone warned me of that moment they're like yo he's gonna bring in everyone in the office it's gonna be really scary just do your best and then they'll probably force you to sign in that room and it was just la reed and a few guys and I was like this is it and he goes oh you want an audience okay then he goes outside and he gets every person on the floor. And I was like, shut your mouth. Why are you speaking? And then now there's a full room. And I was on my ukulele and I was like, hey, I'm a singer songwriter. This is my song, I'll put the bass. And I botched it. Like it was so bad. I messed up the chords. I messed up the words. But all I had was Ellie Reed like, shoo wa wa cha in my face. And I was like, well, he digs it. And then they put me in a room of all white all white chairs, all white walls, nothing else, no phone for like 40 minutes and played the song on loop in the other room. And then they came in and said, we got you a record deal, girl. (laughs) And I was like, I want to go home.
0: So you just stood there with the ukulele, no production and sang the song. Yeah. And all the way through. Oh, yeah. Was it hard?
1: It's spooky. Once you got into it.
0: Was it easy to do once you got into I it? I just,
1: like, whoever was having a good time, because I noticed some, some people were crossing their arms like, what is going on? I had a backwards hat. I didn't I, – it, it looked weird. It was a whole scene, and and all I looked at was L.A. Reid. I was just zoned in on him because he was having a great time, and I was like, you guy, we're going to have fun. So great. you sang it to him. <laughs> yeah, and I'll never forget, because my dad read an article years before this and was like, this L.A. Reid guy says you have to have a look, and I don't know if you got the look, but, like – And I was like, don't worry, dad. I'm going to figure out, I'm going to be a hit songwriter. And then I'll figure out my look and I'll put my songs out later. And when L.A. Reid picked me and he told me one day, he was like, that face. And I was like, this one? He's like, yeah. He like, I felt like, oh, my God, things that would never happen are happening.
0: How do you decide how loud to sing in a room like that?
1: Oh, I'm very good with volume control. Uh, maybe not when I'm talking. No, but I mean, excited. how do you
0: decide to go really loud or you just kind of sing intimately? What do you do? Um, well, the Because I've been around singers that sometimes just over- blow oh, people yeah. off. Oh, I can't
1: stand it. Um, I feel like I have that. Uh, I feel like that goes back to my emotional intelligence of like, <laughs> I know how to make strangers read comfortable. Read the room. Yeah, you can read the room. Uh, but I've had to teach people like, hey, you're very loud. Like, ha ha quiet
0: like how loud Um, would you sing in this room but
1: that song's really good and i'm thinking about every second like people don't know how it tortures me but like so you think about the first verse and it's like um it's a rap so so i always sing it i'm like yeah it's pretty clear i ain't no size two And I get through that rap part, and then I can shine to to show them like, yeah, my mama, she told me, don't worry about your size. And I'm like, that's when we're going to shine, because after that moment, we're going to go back down to the annoying, nasally, because you know I'm all about, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So in those moments, in each song, I dissect each song to be like, we're going to shine here, we're going to dance here, we're going to be funny here, and it's, it's a whole math. It's a whole system in my head.
0: Do you make like four or five changes? in a song by design or is it?
1: Yeah, and then my dad was a performer forever so he taught me like every time you sing the song it's cool if you do it differently, to shake it up. Which is um, what I love to do now, especially if I'm doing an acoustic gig like I did the other day. Uh, they said give us a medley of your hits because I was doing, I got a songwriter award from Billboard which was crazy. And so I said, okay, I did all of the singles. Have to I add did that. all of them. <laughs> I did all of the, I I sang nine songs.
0: Really? <laughs> and I
1: was like, she's still going. And it was, it was crazy. But people, even my team forgot. Like this girl from my team was like, wow, we've had history together. And I was like, yeah, we've been doing this. Yeah,
0: that's what I'm talking about. It's been six we years. We were putting this together and I'm like, holy God. Pretty cool. Yeah. You sustained it across time. I mean.
1: But that's, I don't feel like I did. Yeah. And I don't feel which I don't ever want to feel, but I don't feel famous, you know? I don't feel like um even when I'm like I come home to my beautiful home and like get to do all the cool stuff we get to do, I don't feel like super accomplished, I guess, because it's life isn't as crazy as it used to be in those moments.
0: You mean fan wise, groupie wise?
1: No, like oh, Ellen called and wants you to perform on the show or like, so we're going to perform in all these Billboard Award shows and all these, like no award shows ever have ever asked me to come back or like my song isn't big enough to be on that show. And I'm like, oh man, but I feel like I have way more hits than a lot of artists, you know? And it's a thing that tortures me and and I should not compare myself.
0: Why do you think that's true? You say that you're not doing that when you did it before and you have hits like crazy.
1: But, yeah, but it's like you're not current or something. And I'm, I'm putting out music, but then I get told, like there's like this sneaky system that I was never ever going to talk about until I wrote a book one day and just told all my truth. But I'll tell you because you're my favorite. Um, there's like, I don't know. I, I think it really goes down to the fans who wants to play that song the most. But when you put out songs, I've had radio, I put out a song, Wave, and it didn't do much. And I, I have been told by radio, like the answer. I was like, what happened? Radio said, it's just so different from, from Megan Trainor. And I was like, "But well, Megan Trainor wrote it and produced it. So, like, how is it so different? And what does that mean? Like, that means you're not going to play it because it's so different, you know? So these things keep me up at night.
0: You think they've got in their head System. a Megan sound?
1: Yeah. And, and it you'll doesn't hear- go with that? I don't know I don't know and then people are like make sure you don't write for like you don't chase radio and you don't chase what they want you to be be yourself and I'm like yeah but then when I be myself they say it's too different from yourself and then you're like trapped in your head and you're like maybe I'm not a good songwriter but I know I am (laughs) yeah you know
0: yeah so you say you don't feel famous I don't I've never felt famous right
1: I like that though
0: and I don't know what famous is, maybe. Yeah. Maybe that's why I don't.
1: People ask me that. I'm like.
0: Feel famous. What is famous?
1: I don't know. <laughs> like when you're, I think when you're like famous, you, you, it's like, it's the saddest part about this career. I think it's like, you can't go to the movie theaters because you're going to get attacked by like paparazzi and
0: oh well. blah. When I'm, I'm famous. <laughs> just,
1: really? Yeah. Well, you're a big dude, man. You're tall. I go to the movies and nobody knows.
0: Well, nobody looks like this. <laughs> I've seen better heads you're on gorgeous. nickel beer. I've seen better heads on nickel beer. You're, Seriously, you're nobody looks like this in Hollywood. Everybody looks like Johnny right. Depp or something.
1: Yeah, I feel you. Nobody
0: looks like this. You got a hat? Yeah, I, I can wear a hat, but still, as soon as I open my mouth, yeah, because nobody sounds true, like true, this true, out true, here. True, true, true. I can go to Texas. And talk, nobody turns around and looks. Yeah. But here, everybody turns around and looks. That's true. But you got to embrace your weaknesses. Like, I wrote my first book in 98 or something. And I read a study that said 78% of men would amputate a body part rather than be bald. And oh, no. Yeah, they ain't cutting nothing off of me. You know. (laughs) But they put my picture on the front of the book and. I launched it on the Oprah show, and she held it up and said, oh, you'll find it. has got his big old bald head right Aww, there on the front of it. And, no, I was, it was great. I, yeah. And I thought, you know, you might as well embrace it because you're not going to grow hair tonight. Yeah. If I could grow hair today, I wouldn't. Yeah. I think I would look funny with hair.
1: You would. I think you're gorgeous.
0: Yeah, right.
1: I do. Your eyes are like a blue swimming pool.
0: A blue swimming pool.
1: A gorgeous blue swimming pool. Gorgeous
0: blue swimming pool. Let me write that down. <laughs> gorgeous blue swimming pool. I'll tell myself that. Thank you for noticing.
1: You're welcome. <laughs>
0: See, that's what you're supposed that's to say, I'm right? That's what to do, yes. Thank you for noticing. Are
1: you a tomboy? Uh, I grew up with two brothers, and my mom's not the girliest girl in the group, so I think I was more on the tomboy side, yeah, growing yeah. up.
0: Well, you said you played football.
1: Played football, and I played baseball. When all my friends were playing softball, and my friends were the cheerleaders while I was playing football.
0: What positions you play?
1: Center. I was a big gal. I,
0: you played I center. Was,
1: it was actually very messed up. I don't know who let this ride, but I was center, and my older brother was quarterback. So his hands.
0: Oh, that's starting to sound a little weird.
1: It's so weird. And anytime anything went wrong, it was my fault. You know.
0: Yeah. Were you good? Yes, I was good at blocking, or what?
1: Uh, I was good at blocking, but also I would listen because we're children. We're in like fourth grade, and I remember listening, overhearing. I got these crazy superpower ears. <laughs> I could hear everything, and I would hear them be like, "Okay, so Michael's going to get the ball." Okay, great, awesome. And I was like, "It's going to Michael," <laughs> and I went around and I got him right away. And I was like, ah, "So you I'm played too defense as board. well?" Yeah, I was all over the field. Yep, that's cool. Thank you.
0: Yeah, how long did you play?
1: Years <laughs> too long. Um, played
0: into high school.
1: No, <laughs> no, 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 through the eighth grade. Jesus, no, dad. Oh, you're so cute. <laughs> no, it's like third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade, something like that.
0: Your dad's over here doing a fact check on the yeah, timeline. He's like,
1: high school. <laughs> yeah. No,
0: so what do you do for fun?
1: I sit on my couch and I watch Dr.
0: Phil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good. All yeah, right, I
1: watch movies. Oh, uh, yeah. So,
0: do you go out and do stuff?
1: We go to the movies. Yeah. yeah. I go to the movies. Um, I've been, like, wondering what's, like, something fun we could do.
0: So if you go to a movie, do you, like, go to IMAX movies? You go buy tickets and go to a movie?
1: Oh, yeah. We buy them online, and then we show up, and nobody bothers us. Even, like, if if we get caught at all, it's because my husband, because he's Spy Kids, yeah, which is sick, but, like... He has the same baby face forever. He'll always look like that. Yeah. So if we get, people have asked me to take their picture. And I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Well, yeah. yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> but that's good, right? Yeah, it's great. So you have two brothers. I
1: have two brothers. I'm the middle child.
0: How do you get along with them?
1: Love them. They're my best friends.
0: Are they fans?
1: Huh? Yes. Now they are. At first I didn't really, uh, care about like my music, I don't feel like, you know, cause I was like the annoying sister. I would go to high school and every day after school I'd write and produce a song by dinner time. And then I'd come up from the basement for, for dinner and be like, guys check out my new pop song. And they're like, ugh, we don't wanna hear another song. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but nowadays my brother is so involved, my older brother, that he actually writes the songs with me. And my younger brother is our engineer. So uh, a song on the album that we all did just by ourselves is a lie to me. And it was very special.
0: So what's the most fun about being in music? Live performances? Do you like that? Do you like being in the studio? What's the most fun the for you? The
1: studio. Really? It's like, yeah. I, I feel like I was born and raised in the studio. <laughs> really? And there's nothing more addicting to me than um, like bouncing and producing out what I just worked on that day and sending it to everyone, which is like a new thing I have to learn not to do because music gets leaked like that. But I love sending it to my family, and I actually put my headphones in, and I listen to it on repeat until I fall asleep. Because it's and like, I'm so proud.
0: Is that a test? If you still like it after you've listened to it 10 times, does that validate it for you?
1: Um. Or do you
0: know right away?
1: I know while I'm doing it, yeah. I don't know. I don't want to sound like so cocky and annoying, but like if I... If I write it down and, and and produce it and sing it out, I'm, like, in love with it. Only a few times, like, on my older songs I put out, I'll, like, cringe when the bridge yeah. comes. I'm like, why didn't I take more than 20 minutes on this? Yeah. But I'm pretty fast.
0: So do you hang out with your brothers now?
1: Yeah. They're literally my favorite people.
0: Are they tight between yeah. themselves?
1: Yeah. Yeah, they're best friends.
0: How far apart are they in age?
1: Uh, we're all, like, a year apart. Congrats, parents. They yeah. just... My dad's like, he was on the older side. He was like 43, and my mom was 23. Yeah. Jesus. And they had us back to back.
0: Yeah. My boys, I have two, and they're seven years apart. Wow. Yeah.
1: Did you like that?
0: Yeah. I don't think you've seen my boys. Oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> I know your family.
0: That's Jay and Jordan. Yeah,
1: they're stunning. Look at those eyes.
0: And they are different as daylight and dark. Really? Yeah,
1: because they're so separated in years, right?
0: Yeah, Jordan's the youngest, and we had him. Jay said, "All right, I got it. He's, I got this. Got it. He just took him over from there. Wow, and started raising him. But they're very different. Jordan's got I don't know how many tattoos. Really, and Jay is like Mister well, Corporate that's the musician in him. Yeah,
1: except me, I'm terrified of tattoos. Me too. Yeah, yeah, I know. have
0: no tattoos.
1: Same, never will.
0: And he's got. Enough for all of us. But you know, whatever you want to do.
1: Yeah, whatever makes you happy.
0: Yeah. So what's next for you? Do you have a goal for twenty twenty? I mean, we just started the year. What's up for you?
1: Um, I'm I'm nervous, but I'm going on tour with Maroon Five. Um I'm nervous because I haven't like successfully uh gone through a tour without needing vocal surgery after. Really? Yeah. So it's what do they do?
0: Is it like removing uh, nodules or something? Yeah, or?
1: it's or it's polyps, which are like yeah. worse than nodules. And they, they ex, mine explode in my throat. And and they're like little pimples, but they're, it was a big pimple. And it popped and like bled everywhere. And I had to, first you have to heal it for like two weeks of not talking. And then do the surgery, which hurts a lot. And then like a month of no talking and slowly getting back into it. Um, which I did twice now and like being silent like that for a long time, I was like trapped with my thoughts, which was not a good place for me. You
0: need to vent. Yeah. How many dates are you gonna do?
1: Uh like forty? Yeah, but there's twenty and then there's a nice break and then there's twenty.
0: And how long's your set?
1: Forty five minutes.
0: So if you do twenty, forty five minute sets, will that jack your voice or could you get through that
1: it's so fun because we don't know <laughs> like we don't know I don't know and I got a new doctor and new surgery and it my vocal cords have lasted much longer than they did last time obviously yeah. so I'm confident in this run but it's I think like that was a big part of let's open for somebody and let's go and tour with somebody instead of putting all the pressure on me and having my own tour because I couldn't deal with, like, Because then you got to do
0: two or, hours.
1: Yeah, or pff, I will never do two hours, yeah. ever. That's too exhausting.
0: That would kill I don't you? know
1: how people do it. It would kill me.
0: Yeah. If you're having surgery twice, it would kill you for yeah, sure. Yeah, that
1: was when I was doing 75 minutes. Uh, and then I would even cut it and be like, let's just do an hour because I can't get through it. And, yeah, i got to figure it out.
0: You had to cancel some dates in 2015, right?
1: Mm-hmm. That was a scary time too because I was being threatened with like everything I worked for. I was being told by a doctor like, you have to stop or you're gonna ruin it permanently. And then I was told by radio, we'll never play your songs ever again if you cancel this 30 minute set. And I was like, jeesh, that's aggressive.
0: (laughs) Why? Bah. What do you mean radio?
1: I can't be specific. No, I don't, like, I'm not
0: asking for like a call letters.
1: Like, you know, those radio shows, which I didn't know existed until I was older. You know, like they'll have like a yeah. a radio show with all these superstars and each yeah. person gets a 30 minute set or a 15 minute set. I had a 30 minute set and we canceled because my doctor was like, okay, you blew it on the last one. You're bleeding and go on vocal rest. And I woke up in my bed the next morning with my entire management team in my bedroom and my hu- husband, my boyfriend at the time, um, and my best friend all sitting on my bed around me saying looking at me like someone died and I was like oh god someone died and they said so we can't cancel the show that we told you we've canceled and we're getting a private jet for you to fly over and go do it and you're gonna have to learn how to lip sync and I was like I couldn't say anything I was just like All right. Let's go. And I had to listen to an old show that I did and I and memorize exactly how I did it. And I went there and I lip synced everything down to how you doing? Like everything. And my friend actually got a text of like, God, she's the best singer. And and you say you do every one a little different though.
0: You say you do every show a little different. I did so I had to learn on the hour plane ride. I
1: had to memorize how I sang it, how many breaths I took in this verse. And it was like a half-hour set. It was the most terrifying night of my life. I was like, this is it.
0: <laughs> How close was the crowd?
1: It was an arena, and they were, they were right up on me. But the iMag is what's scary. They had a camera on my face projected in the entire arena. I was losing it. And then you have to meet the person that says, oh, we're, we're going to never play your songs ever again. And you have to go, thank you so much for having us, man. This has been the best trip of my life.
0: <laughs> really
1: piss you off yeah and it emotionally it makes you feel like oh i'm trapped and like that's what's preventing me from getting my dreams to come true and like it's these older people in the industry and they just i don't know and that's what another reason why i wrote um no excuses because i was like i don't care who you are or what you think you have you should respect me
0: (laughs) yeah that can get pretty gangster
1: yeah, man. I was like, oh, I didn't know this stuff actually existed, but it totally exists.
0: Who do you get along with most in the industry? Like James Corden, you guys just have a chemistry. It, was, it seems really funny yeah, when y'all get together.
1: Yeah, he's fun. He's also like best friends with my management and my management are my best friends. So yeah. we're all the same happy peoples that are giggly and laugh a lot.
0: Do you really have fun when you're with him? Because it comes across that you do. I do, yeah. Yeah.
1: I wish we hung out more, James. But um, yeah. He
0: sure does. I know him well, and I can tell when he's having fun and when he's oh, really? and bearing it. He has a ball. That with was you. I was
1: worried that day. I was like, I hope I'm like have, making sure he's having a good oh, time. Oh, he was having a
0: ball. Tell you. <laughs> when we ambushed you, he just was giggling. Man, he's had a good time. Yeah,
1: he was. He was laughing. He was good. Also, Jimmy Fallon's always nice and respectful. Yeah, and oh, like always visits me in the room before. Always is a joy, even when the cameras are off. Like you know.
0: You can really tell when the cameras who's, are off. Yeah, and come who's back. a happy
1: person and who's not happy to be there. Yeah.
0: Did you do Letterman much?
1: I never did Letterman. I was, I was late. Yeah. Late to the game.
0: I did Letterman after about a year of him dogging on me. He did words of wisdom from Dr. Phil. No way! And he would take sentences and put them together where it made Didn't me sound sense. really stupid <laughs> and all. He called me quack, half-baked quack, all different kinds of things. So I went on after about a year. And you know, they always do the pre-interview. We're going to talk about this. You know how it is. They called to do the pre-interview. And I said, okay, here's the pre-interview. I'm coming. We can be nasty or we can be nice. (laughs) And you don't need to tell me in advance. Goodbye. And I hung up and (laughs) went. It, It was hilarious.
1: I have to watch this now.
0: Yeah. Then I had a blue card, and I had listed on it every name he had called me.
1: Oh, my God. (laughs) And
0: we sat down. He said, now, before we start, I just want to say, now, I may have said one or two things along the way. And I said, well, actually, I have a list of what you said. It was fun. That was a long time ago. We actually struck up a really good friendship.
1: But yeah, everyone's been nice. It's just the people behind the scenes, you know?
0: Yeah, Exactly. You've been pretty transparent about your feelings, anxiety, depression, the doubts that we started talking about in the beginning. Have people talked to you about that, having your fans yeah. and stuff like that? Because oh, that yeah. seems to me to be hugely inspirational because yeah. people look at you and say, if she can talk about this, deal with this and overcome it, then I can.
1: Yeah. I just like was uneducated about all of it. And, and my parents were too. Like when I heard anxiety, I thought people would just be stressed out. And I, I just didn't know what it could actually physically do to your body. And after the vocal surgeries, and and uh, I remember it was a month after my vocal surgery, they scheduled an Ellen performance. And I was like, guys, not gonna make it. And they're like, we'll be okay. And I'm like, I don't think you understand. And I was so scared uh, that in my vocal, like. Training, getting back into it. I had days to get ready. I was bawling my eyes out. And I think it started then, and I, I started getting the physical um, feelings where you feel like you want to run to the bathroom, or your back is lit by a flame, or you have a fever and your temperature's fine. Like you know those physical things where you're like, I'm, I'm. It's crippling. Like I can't, I can't get through work today because my body's dying on me, and I don't know what's going on. So one night, I just, I kept being like, there's something wrong with me, but I'll figure it out. And one night, I after dinner, I thought I was having an allergic reaction, and I went to the emergency room, and was like, my throat's closing. Panic attack. And they were like, okay, so we've checked you out, and this is what we call a panic attack. And I was like, no, 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 no. If you just look right <laughs>
0: yeah, just there,
1: here. it's closing. And the sweet guy was so nice to me. He felt so bad, because he knew I was just clueless. Um, and then they tried, my brother was the only person that had panic attacks in my family that talked to me about it. He was like, Oh, go to the emergency room. You'll be fine. I've had this. Just don't let them give you Xanax. And I was like, okay. And (laughs) so I went there and was like, uh, I don't want Xanax. I want the lightest form of anything you can do to help me. And, um, they did, they gave me some very light, I don't know what it was, but it worked and it was fine. And, After that, I went to every doctor you could think of except you. I could have probably used you. Thanks a lot. (laughs) I went to every doctor and was like, please fix me. And a lot of them promised they would and they couldn't. And then I finally met a psychologist and he said, your chemicals are like this and we got to bring you back to here. And it made me feel so much better. And so like, oh, I'm not going crazy. Like, I'm not schizophrenic because things would start moving. I had, like, body dissociation or whatever it's called.
0: Yeah, you get that anxious. People don't realize anxiety is not just a psychological phenomenon. There's a neurological component to it as well. Yeah. And the neurotransmitters in your brain get disrupted, and it's like being on a racetrack with no exit ramp. It, yeah. It's just going and going and going, and you can't do anything about it. Yeah.
1: He said stuff that finally made sense. He was like, you, there's a fire alarm in your head. And it's just going off for, like, no reason. Like, that was, like, the best thing he could have ever said to me. And I was like, yes, that's how I feel. He's like, you know when there's, like, actual danger in front of you? And that's how intense it gets? Your body's telling you that's happening all day long when it's not. And I was like, cool, fix it. What do we do? (laughs) Well, you've
0: got a recorder in your brain called the amygdala.
1: That's what it is.
0: Yeah. He's so smart. So it records this. And then whenever you hit that play button something will trigger it and it's right there
1: my back's on fire <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> why is your back on fire
1: i don't know i don't know i used to like not be able to talk about it because it would bring you back yeah but i like i feel like i beat it and i accomplished so much and got back i got back into my soul it's like my soul left for a minute and now it's back in my body yeah
0: See, people don't realize we have one arousal system. It's the same system if you're excited at a ball game. Yeah. Or if you hear somebody behind you in a dark alley, mm-hmm. or you're all excited at your wedding. We have one arousal system. It's the same thing, same chemical, same wow. arousal. It's just how you label it. Uh. It's exactly the same. If you're at the football game and they score in the last second, you you're Yay! yeah, that's exactly the same experience you have when you have a panic attack. You just labeled it differently. That's
1: crazy, isn't it? That something that's crazy. And like, what really like was tough going through it was um like it, the industry people understood me, like my lawyer understood me and my management, but um, my best friends, my family, like my mom, didn't know what was happening. She didn't like she hadn't gone. It felt like for me a mental breakdown. Like and I guess she's never gone through that. She's always full of anxiety, but she's never had these moments. And when I would text her like I'm going to the emergency room because I can't breathe again tonight, she'd be like, "Nah, no, come here, I'll rub your head." And I was like, "No, I need an oxygen tank or I will die. Like this is it for me." And finally, um, who's our guy who saved my life? Carson Daly. Carson Daly did a video randomly on the Today Show speaking about how he feels when he had a panic attack. And he explained it to the T perfectly. And I texted it to my mom. And I was like, this is what I'm going through. And she was like, Oh, and then she was like bawling and said, I'm so sorry, I had no idea. And then I realized like, Oh, this is what my fans have been talking about for years. And this is what they mean of like, I can't I can't go to school, I'm miserable. And when parents come up to me and say, my kid was so suicidal until your song came out. And I was like, my three minute song can fix this, whatever's happening to me. I was like, well, let's write some more.
0: Yeah, that's Easy. what I'm saying. It's inspirational because people think they're alone. They yeah. think they're the only fe- one I experiencing I felt like them. I was the
1: only one and I would be in a, like, I thought I was like losing my mind.
0: And you know, there's a first link in every chain. And what I always tell people is if you can identify there is a first thing that signals your anxiety or panic attack, it might be flushed cheeks, it might be heat in your back, it might Mm -hmm. be a sweaty palm, it might be a dry mouth, something. There's some first signal. And if you can figure out what it is, then it can become a cue for coping or a cue for deterioration into panic. But if you have a coping sequence and you hit that, you go, bang, I know what I have to do. I need to do this and this and this yeah. and this. The fire never gets started. You put it out while it's just a little flicker and it doesn't ever happen to you.
1: That's what I've been doing. Like that's what I figured out and was like, oh, beat it, got it. Yeah. I feel so much better. And my therapist was like, you should treat yourself. You're killing it. You look great. And I was like, I know. And um, yeah. But it's like my triggers are if I don't get enough sleep. If yeah. I if I don't get enough sleep, my body confuses it with anxiety and I'm like, "No, no, no. We're just exhausted." Or I know if like if they give me the schedule of what's coming up, that was my first panic attack ever. They read me my schedule for the week and I was like, "I'm going to die. I'm not going to make it." So I I tell my mom because she's my assistant. I'm like, well, "I don't want to talk about work from here on to nighttime. Like I want to be done for the day." And they're really good about taking care of me like that.
0: And the whole thing is You have to finish that sequence by rewarding yourself and saying, That just came on. I did that. Yeah. I nailed that. You gotta give yourself credit. You gotta say it out loud.
1: Yeah. I feel like we don't get to talk about that like as much, you know? No. Everyone's talking about how spooky and scary it is and how everyone's going through it. Even like children are going through it. But like when you when you can learn how to I don't know. Like in the moment, I was like, there's a another person in here and they're torturing me and I've done nothing wrong and I don't know why this is happening. But when you can take control again, you're like, that's really cool. And I'm proud of myself for getting through that.
0: Yeah, you got to reward yourself. You repeat behaviors that get rewarded and you don't repeat behaviors that don't get rewarded. It's just that simple. How do you reward yourself?
1: Um, I get a massage or I get my nails done or yeah. I do. Like today, I was feeling overwhelmed about, um, I'm going to New York to do a bunch of promo and it's gonna be like really crazy days. And my husband, he just went through some random weird stuff that doesn't make sense. And it was kind of lame. It's not the worst thing, but it's kind of lame. And he was feeling down. And I noticed I had like 40 minutes before I was gonna drive here. And I said, babe, let's escape. Let's go to lunch together. And he took me out to lunch, and we went to our favorite restaurant, and we just like had a moment together. And he's like, wow, I don't know what it is, but I feel so much better. And it was like, we got to escape our world of chaos for a minute and just be together and eat our favorite food. So that felt nice.
0: What's your favorite food?
1: Um, My husband recently, for health issues, he had to start um being vegan, because he's got genetically a bad heart from his family. Uh, so we've been, we found this vegan place close by called something vegan and it's, it's so good. <laughs> it's so yummy, but, um, I like salads. I'm boring. I'm very picky too. Cause my mama, we're very picky eaters.
0: Let me ask you about working on it. Okay. In the verse you say, never been asked to dance cause I've never been the pretty one. Never like compliments cuz it's always been so hard to believe in them. You say I'm beautiful and I say you're full of it. Nothing personal. I'm still not used to this.
1: Isn't that crazy? Bars. <laughs> yeah.
0: What do you think about that when you hear it back?
1: So sad, um but so real. Like I I picture each moment, like um, never been asked to dance. So when we were growing up, we're on this little island and we had school dances and I was like, petrified to dance in front of people. But I've always wanted to be a dancer, you know, it's like been the fire in me. And I danced in front of my family, but it was like in front of my peers, my classmates, I was terrified. And this one kid came up to me and he asked me to dance. And he wasn't the coolest kid in school, but I was like, oh my God, he wants to dance with me, okay. And then after we danced, he ran over to his friends and they were all laughing and they gave him a dollar. And I went up to him and I was like, what's this? And, um, oh, I forgot to mention when he came up to me, he said, my grandma passed away, will you dance with me? And I was like, Jesus, okay, oh yeah. So he got a dollar and they, they made a bet of like, a, um, I bet you can't get a dance with anyone. So I was like, I felt like bait, and I was like, "Ugh, oh, man!" I thought that moment was like really sweet and special, and it was just like stupid boys. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, I- I've hated school dances ever since. And if I go, I I went with my girlfriends, and we would just like dance alone and be like, forget everyone else here. And and then, um, when my husband would give me compliments, even when I felt like my ugliest, like I know, like I'm grungy looking in this moment, he's like. God, you're the most beautiful person I've ever seen, ever. And I'm like, what are you seeing? Like, I wish I could see with those goggles. Like, what are you looking at? And like, he's truly like, you know how you say, say people's reality is a reality or whatever? That's perception like, is reality. Perception is reality. He's like, I'm the prettiest girl in his world. And I'm like, that's so cool. I wish I saw that. <laughs> and I work on it. And he'll stand in the mirror with me and be like, look at, Look how beautiful you are. And I wanted to put it in a song.
0: They say, love sees not with the eyes.
1: Oh. <laughs> that's, that's cute.
0: Yeah. It's true.
1: I think that's what it is. It's like, the kid worships me, and I worship him just as much. But it's, I've never felt like that. No one's ever looked at me like that. Then I was like, we should get married. <laughs> you
0: better keep this one. <laughs> better keep this one around. <laughs> yeah. He's
1: a good one. He's great.
0: I've been married 43 years. And you shouldn't chase the wrong one because the right one won't run. Wow. I mean, they're right there and you know it.
1: I know it. You know how cheesy movies are like, you just know and you know. It's like, oh, I know that I'll be incomplete and die without this person in my life. Like when he leaves the room, I'm, I'm not as okay as I was when we were together.
0: The verse in that song says, trying to be good to me, I should give myself way more love. I'm my worst enemy. I'm the voice who says I'm not good enough. You say I'm beautiful. We were just talking about I'm that. I'm telling
1: you. <laughs> Sometimes with just things I say out loud, I'm like, oh, that's a great song. And then we wrote it down. I wrote that with my.
0: I should be a songwriter.
1: You should be. a Bro, some things you say, you should get percentage. Because listen, <laughs> I'm writing great material because of you.
0: Well, that's great. <laughs> I'm glad. I mean, this is a pretty profound sentiment. I mean, you clearly have insight, and you're sharing it with people. That's a great deal. Same thing with Ashes. You did the same thing in Ashes.
1: Yeah, Ashes is actually, um, it sounds like a love song, but it's actually about a fight I have with my younger brother, because he's the most stubborn person on this earth, but so am I when I'm talking to him. <laughs> and we're both our father, so <laughs> doesn't help.
0: You say you get lost in your head. Do you talk to yourself a lot?
1: Mm-hmm. I wish I didn't, but yeah, that voice is loud. Do you
0: pay attention to your internal dialogue?
1: I don't want to. But do you? I hear it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Because, you know, we talk at 125 words a minute, we think at 12 to 1400 words a minute. I know. So if, like, a bully says something to you or somebody is critical or whatever, They say it at 125 words a minute, you repeat it at 1,400 words a minute. You repeat it 10 to 1 every time they say it, you repeat it 10 times. You take over for them and repeat it 10 times as much as they do.
1: And then you engrave it in your body for years.
0: Yeah, it stays forever. It becomes automatic. It's what we call automatic thoughts. Do they ever talk to you about that? No. They become so automatic that they're faster than 1,400 words a minute because it's like the old joke of the prisoners that have been in prison so long. They got the same jokes. They don't even tell them anymore. They just yell, 14, and everybody starts laughing. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Because they just know the jokes. They're automatic. And it gets so well learned that you just zip it through your head. It's like elevator music. You're not aware yeah. it's playing, but it's always running.
1: Yeah, I've noticed like when I would be self-critical out loud or like when my mom does it, I noticed that my brain is a sponge and it hears it and it learns it and it believes it. And I'm like, uh-oh, that's yeah. how I feel now. And when I started with All About That Bass, when I would perform it, I noticed I would start believing the words I would say because mm-hmm. I'd hear it every single night. And I would start dancing more confidently and, and or like, loving my curves and like believing it for the first time ever. And now when I look at pictures I'll be like, "Wow, she looked really good. Like she looks great today." And I this whole week I've been like, "Oh my, I got a facial." I was like, "I look gorgeous." Like <laughs> and that stuff I believe. And so I've been trying to in every interview being like, "If you if you stay positive on yourself, your brain will hear that and believe that rather than being like, "Ew, I'm disgusting."
0: Well, this might make you upset. I doubt it. But You realize for every thought you have, there's a physiological correlate. Do you know what I mean?
1: I kind of, yeah. For
0: every thought you have, whatever it is, something in your body goes up, down, sideways. For every thought you have, depressed people, you get their body chemistry, compare it to a person that's not depressed, it's different. Yeah. Totally different. Just for every thought, like for example, Think of a dill pickle, okay. a really crisp dill pickle, and think of biting into it. I mean, a really big one. Just you crunch into it, and the vinegar explodes in your mouth. Love, and you can smell it and taste it. Okay, and what happens?
1: It's delicious. Um, yeah.
0: You start salivating right in the back. Okay, if you really think about it, you'll start getting a little change. Nobody touched you. Nobody introduced a smell. Nobody did anything. If you envision it, it'll change. And it's that way with every single thought you have. So if you think truly positive things, if you think empowering things, if you think I'm going to go out and crush this because I'm good, I'm this and that, and here's why, and it's fact-based, and you realize that the best predictor of future behavior is relevant behavior— and I've done this before. I've won before. I win every time. I'm going to do it because that predicts this. Then your whole chemistry is going to change. Your shoulders go up. You stand taller. You lean into things. I mean, everything changes, and people can see it. They can read it. Yeah. You feel it. You project it, and they read it.
1: Yeah, I did a little of that, and I I learned that that was real. That's a real thing.
0: Yeah, that is a very real. That's thing. That's a very
1: real thing. And then I, because like confidence makes you prettier. It makes yeah. you happier. It makes you look better. Yeah. And I noticed that with, like, I mean, I used to be, like, too shy to perform and or, like, to dance in front of people. And, and then I was, like, thrown out to arenas and was, like, sing all about that bass, how you love your body and your curves, and you don't care. And I was, like, what? And it was, like, the best therapy anyone could ever have. It was great.
0: Is there any better feeling than the audience going crazy for something going you crazy. write and then perform? Yeah. They just go wild, right?
1: And the song, like the lyrics, it was like exactly what I needed. It was great.
0: Yeah. So this album is out now. January 31st. 31st. So it's been out It's been four out days. five days.
1: Oh, my God, it's here. Yeah.
0: <laughs> How excited are you?
1: I'm so excited. I, I, out now is also um, this music video I did with Nicki Minaj, which was crazy. But that's another self-empowering, like, I love me. This is who I am. It's called Nice to Meet You. And it's like, I'm just what I want to be. And um, I love that because it sounds just like an awesome radio bot, but it's also a p- big, powerful message.
0: We can find that on YouTube. YouTube,
1: and yep, and all the streaming places. Yeah,
0: all the streaming places. And this album, this is the music you're going to do on tour along yes. with some of your favorites, right?
1: Yep, yep, yep. We'll bring back the hits.
0: You're going to mix some of this in with yeah. your hits? And when does the tour start?
1: End of May.
0: Oh, okay. So this is coming up
1: oh yeah I have like promo and then I'm going to uh, promo New York then I'm going to London to uh, shoot the Voice UK uh, as a coach and Mm -hmm. then I have like three weeks to get my tour together and then I go out
0: do you like that what being on tour no you don't like it
1: no I like the meet and greets and I like the seeing the fans reactions on, on stage yeah but it's exhausting, and like my body was not built—I always say my body was not built to tour. It was not built to be a pop star, but it really wants to be.
0: Yeah. So, what do you do during the day?
1: <laughs> um, all day long. Like it starts at like noon. You get glam for like two hours. Then you go do. Um, there'll be radio stations at every single show, so we'll do some radio stuff. Then we'll do a meet and greet of like 175 people, which takes a minute, and then we um. There's also a sound check in the m- middle of the day, and then mm-hmm. you get ready for the show, and I'm earlier, which I love. It's like 7 p.m., I think, for me, mm-hmm. and then for- 45 minutes, and then I run to shower on my tour bus and try to get to bed as fast as I can.
0: What time do you go to bed?
1: When it was my own show, the show would end around like 10, which I hated, because like, first of all, I don't know if I'm like teacher's pet or like, I'm an older woman inside, but like there are children there. And they should not be driving home at midnight. It is insane. Um, but my show would always be like eight or nine and it would end at around 10 and I would run to bed and I felt like I always got to sleep by midnight, you know? Cause when you're on the shaky bus, which we'll yeah. never get used to. Um, but yeah, I hate that there's like these babies, there's young kids and there's parents trying to get there. I've like, I was a child of three. I saw, I like, it was impossible to get us into the car and do an event and then home. So I love earlier shows.
0: Yeah. So you don't have a lot of free time. No, no, no. I mean, everything is, you're either we'll resting or We'll either have like rapping. one day
1: off in between, or that one day will be like travel 12 hours on the bus.
0: Yeah. Do you hang with somebody on tour? My husband. Yeah. Does he go some?
1: Yeah, unless he gets a um, like an acting job. Yeah. Which we've been... Um he's been more focused with me and and been sticking around for a long time but um which has been everything but when I go to London soon for like 3 weeks it's going to be the longest we've ever been apart <laughs> and cuz he's uh he's going to be here for pilot season so he's been yeah. auditioning every day and I'm going to miss him. Yeah,
0: 3 weeks is a long time. It's a
1: long time. Man. Yeah.
0: My son Jordan just left for Europe he was today. On yeah, he's on with tour. The George brothers, yeah. right? Yeah, they That's just so finished cool. eighty dates here in the U.S. and now they've gone to Europe. That's too much. They had a month off, or really more—six weeks, maybe. But now they've gone to Europe and start all over again.
1: Like some people, my vocal doctors have said, some people's vocal cords can just like handle it. Yeah. Some vocal cords they can like smoke a cig and then go on stage and do a whole set. I'm like, God could never. May. Yeah. <laughs> could no never.
0: Way. No way.
1: How does your son's vocal cords keep up?
0: He has a doc, and you know he goes and gets him checked, and he has to take steroids some um, yeah, in there, I hate and that. he gets you know the little polyps sometimes, but it's worked out where he gets enough rest that he can do it. But it's hard. I get laryngitis sometimes.
1: Yeah, you talk all the time.
0: And if I get a cold, and then it's at the beginning of the week, and I do like eight shows or something, then ugh
1: oh yeah and it's like, uh, yeah
0: and, you know what are you gonna do
1: and then you're like you feel bad because these kids have had these tickets for months and they're so excited to see you sing and you're like yeah. i sound like this tonight i'm so sorry
0: well this is exciting i mean you got to be excited about this i'm so
1: i'm so excited it's been three years and like, really yeah because uh the label and uh, so many things happened that weren't supposed to happen and I just kept getting pushed. Every time we're like, this day, this day, they would come back at me and say, we're gonna push it again one more time. And I was like, all right, guys.
0: I'm telling you people, if you don't have this yet, you need to get it, and I'm putting it on every social media platform we have. We're pushing it out, there are gonna be links everywhere that you find me, there's gonna be a link to this new music, and you are gonna love it. And it really comes from her heart and soul. She doesn't just write stuff off a billboard, she writes this stuff from her soul and that makes it special it really makes a difference
1: this is the best therapy I've ever had
0: well thanks for coming and talking to me
1: thanks for having me all
0: right